Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Lakers Explained, a podcast by SilverScreenRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, here with Harrison Fagan, recording on the one-year anniversary of the day the Lakers and Pelicans agreed to the blockbuster trade that brought Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers. But before we get to any of that, June 15th, 2020 is a significant day now. Because it's the day the Lakers acquired another superstar, Harrison. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they really decided to ring in the anniversary of the Anthony Davis trade in the best possible way by, you know, probably making their best signing that they've made since. I mean, like, all due respect to Frank Vogel, like all of the other members of the Lakers roster that they've acquired over that time, you know, like Dion Waiters and literally basically every single person other I than I think you led with Dion Waiters. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the most recent, so he popped into mind first. But, you know, Markeith Morris uh, – like JaVale McGee, all these guys, Alex Caruso, you know, th- this guy might be better at his specific job than any of them. And that is uh, Pete, Coach, Laker Film Room, Zayas. Uh, Grandpa is, Pete. Yeah. Depending on your Grand- relation to him. <laughs> yeah. Stepdad Pete, you know, Coach Pete is, uh, he's officially a Laker. He can officially get tampering fines now. So that was the news that I took away from it. He's going to have to stop like thirst tweeting at Giannis probably. I would imagine the Lakers are going to crack down on that. But, yeah, he's uh, he's officially working for the Lakers. And, uh, you know, I am proud of my internet stepdad. And, <laughs> you know, like, I think that, you know, in relation to some of the stuff that we're going to get into with, like, the Anthony Davis trade, like, there's no way that this one, I think, doesn't go even better. Yeah, I was so stoked when I saw it. Um, the first thing that came to mind was, I think Pete's tweets will get a lot less passionate, <laughs> especially in the language he uses, which is fine. You know, there's a trade-off with all things. But um, the other thing I thought was whether or not Pete gets a championship ring at the end of the season. I don't know if if media gets a ring, but I think Pete specifically, given his status in the Lakers community, should just be given an honorary honorary ring. It could be made out of, like, polymer clay it wouldn't matter it just symbolizes what he's meant to the community and and uh the significance of him being within the organization i still can't believe it i'm very excited for him uh and for you and i it's easy because we you know you just literally go to lakers.com and you got content from from pete zayas on on the site so shout out to him uh and uh yeah congratulations buddy if you're yeah i would this. i I would imagine they'd at least give him like a knockoff replica ring. Right. And like, just don't tell him like, he'll be just as happy. He's not going to know the difference between the types of diamonds and whatever. Like he's never done any research into that. He watches film for like 19 hours a day. He has no time to go and get, you know, like a ring checked out to see if it's real. Like they could definitely fake him into it at the very least if they didn't want to give him a real one. And you know, just the fact that he like got something, like I, I feel like he's, he's going to be so excited about this. Like he's going to be the type of guy that like cries every time he gets a paycheck, like frames all of them <laughs> on a wall, like, you know, as like an autograph from Jeannie Buss. Like, do you think she'll sign, like, do you think he stipulated that like, like LeBron <laughs> has to sign his paychecks? Like, oh my God. Just a, like a different yeah. Laker each month. You know, what's funny is um, it on the, on the topic of fake rings. I hope that they get his ring made by, the same people that do the commercials for Spectrum Sportsnet, the uh, very real diamonds that they advertise. Uh, it's that, I forget what they're called, 
Kristen, um, you got to understand, it's been like 19 years since yeah. we watched the Laker game, so I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. Man. Like, it's the same commercial they run every game. Um, it's, I'm at half the games. I don't know if you know that. Oh, okay, so, right, like, right, Sometimes right. I, I forget about the commercial. Funny story. Quick aside, the first Lakers game I went to go cover, I didn't know how to change the screen in the press box for the screens that are that are in front of you that show you the box score and, and the broadcast. So for the first quarter, I just had Guardians of the Galaxy 2 on my screen in front of me because it was on TNT. Uh, and then somebody next to me was like, hey, do you need help changing that? And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> so, you're, uh, you're never getting let back, I think, is what we just found out from that story. <laughs> well, I like, was. So- I was one more time after that. So okay, well, you. that was a mistake on their part, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, June 15th, 2019 will be the main subject of our show today. Uh, and it is because it is the anniversary of the day the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. And I'm going to be honest, doesn't feel like a year. Feels like much longer than that. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, it feels like seven. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's For some reason, he's in the last year of his contract, but it just keeps getting, like Joakim Noah's contract, it just keeps getting pushed back and pushed back. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like it's like the Mozgov deal, or like, I guess not. Mo- it's like the Dang deal. Like it just keeps getting longer somehow, despite him like not even being on the team anymore. Right, right. Um, we asked a, a few questions to our followers uh, that to kind of shore up some ideas of of what we talk about today, what what topics you guys wanted to hear uh, talked about. And first of all, thanks for sending in those questions. They're a big help. Uh, and I think we'll kick things off from uh, one from uh, at King underscore underscore Cole 87. Uh, he asked, where were you when it all went down uh, and what were our initial reactions? Uh, Harrison, I'll let you start. Well, I was I was at Disneyland on my day off and it was like my first day off in like two weeks, basically, because we had been so waiting for the AD trade to go down that like, but then finally it was like, I couldn't put it off anymore. Like I had to go to like, I, I was going to Disneyland with my fiance and then like our friends and like we had promised to take their daughter while we could still get them in. And so like this was this was not something that where, you know, not that I wanted to get out of it, but it wasn't something that I could get out of even if I had wanted to. Yeah. And so I went and I told Christian I'm like look the pre-writes in the can like if the trade happens I already have editorials written for both ways you know like if he gets traded somewhere else if you know or if he ends up on the Lakers like you should be set and then I remember I was waiting in line for the Toy Story ride on Pixar Pier the one where you're like shoot the 3D stuff at like holographic targets And I was, I think it's called Midway Mania or something. Yes, That's not it that is. important. Yeah, but I, I found out that the AD trade went down. And I was, my first reaction was like, was, oh shit, like the same as nearly everyone, I think. And, you know, like you even start to hear the line, like reacting to it. There's like various Laker fans all around. I mean, if you've ever been to Disney, you know how many Laker jerseys are there all the time. Like, yeah. you know, there's tons of Lakers fans always around there. And so my, and then I realized I'm like, oh, I'm good. Like Christian's there. I don't have to write this on my phone. I could just sign off and just let him handle it. And I don't think that I've ever seen a more defeated set of Slack messages from you by the end of that day when I like logged back in and checked, you know, what you'd sent me for the rest of the day. And it was just like, all right, wrote my eighth post, logging off for the night, talk to you in the morning. (laughs) 
that and I feel like that started a streak of just like legendary la- days off for you. We're just like news whenever whenever you had the day off, news would just come pouring in. But the good thing is, and I talked about this on uh, last week's podcast with Jacob, um, when the earth shattering news that Dwight Howard resigned with the Lakers, I was in Hawaii having the time of my life, and I I had a. I had a lava flow in my hand and I was drinking it and I was like, ah, Harrison's taking care of this somewhere. This feels yeah. nice. <laughs> I was taking care of it by making Anthony take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Uh, but yeah, I honestly, I think I might've just been at home obviously. Cause I was, I was working uh, wink, wink. That's where I was <laughs> at yeah. home doing what I was supposed to do. Just like you asked me to. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I remember the day that Kawhi Leonard signed with the Clippers better than I do Anthony Davis signed or Anthony Davis getting traded to the Lakers. I remember the day the trade was made official. I was at summer league uh, with a few friends and, and that was fun. But um, prior to that news breaking, how confident were you that Anthony Davis was going to be in a Lakers Jersey for the 2019, 20 season? I mean, I was confident enough that I wrote a 900-word editorial on what it meant for the team and why this was, why the price was worth it. Like, even specifically, like, the amount of stuff they were going to give up. Like, right. I was pretty confident this was happening and we, with the, we pretty much knew the asking price. And I think we had to add, like, one or two, you know, like, little picks in there or something, but, like, uh, or, like, pick swaps or whatever. Like, I don't know that we knew about the pick swaps in advance, but th- this had been getting negotiated pretty in public for a while. We all knew what the Lakers could offer. We all knew what the Pelicans could theoretically want, would theoretically be asking for. Like, I-, I honestly thought that it would happen at the deadline. I was kind of – but I think that fell apart just because – you know, there was a lot of kind of discord in the Pelicans front office. Like, I, I think that, you know, the ownership wasn't really going to let Del Demps make a deal, even if he had wanted to. And I think was just kind of enjoying watching Magic torpedo his season by continuing to leak all the names of the players involved in that deal. But <laughs> once it was Palinka, who has like, you know, as we've seen, is much more buttoned up, much more quiet, works behind the scenes kind of guy. Um, and then David Griffin, who like, you know, I think draws high marks as like one of the most professional general managers in the league. Like, I, you know, I, I had confidence that eventually they were going to come to an agreement on, you know, the, the price for this and that it was going to get done. And, you, you know, again, like that, that's why we have the editorial ready. I think you were more sky is falling, if I remember correctly. And we're like, ah, oh, no, this deal is not going to get done. And I, I think you came up with some ridiculous names for them to sign with the cap space <laughs> when they missed on right. July 2. And okay. in my defense... The sky was falling prior to that point. We, like, we call you Christian Little in the silver screen and roll slack because it's always, that's always how you think. Well, I mean, you can take that in a ton of ways. I'll take it in the least offensive way. Uh, it's Chicken Little. Yeah, I know, no, no, I get it. I get All it. All right. <laughs> but um, the, yeah, I think every Lakers fan had every reason to be pessimistic about anything getting done with the team just because of the summer they just had. I mean, Maddox. The, the Lakers really did just stumble into being a contender. Let's be well, real the, here. The, that was, I was going to say, the summer hadn't even really gotten bad yet. Like, right. there had been the Magic Johnson insane resignation. and But, like, that was 
pretty much. I mean, the, the Frank Vogel process, I guess, was a little bit botched. Like, they did get that done before the AD trade, if I'm remembering correctly. The Lakers fans staged a protest outside of Staples Center because yeah. Jason Kidd's name was mentioned in the coaching search. I don't think that's why. I think it was because, the you know, the, the search Ty had Lue. just gotten so weird and wild. And right. like they had hired Ty Lue, but then they hadn't. And, yeah, I actually forgot in my brain that that was before the Anthony Davis thing. And yeah. not after, for some reason in my head, that was after, but it's not. Yeah, that whole coaching search was kind of centered around um, the reason. The reason people finally protested, I think, was because they found out that Kurt Rambis was sort of kind of in charge. Yeah. The whole the whole shadow executive era is just so we're so far removed from that. Yeah, real ones remember the shadow executive <laughs> that it was uh, that it was there was possibly Masai Ujiri was like controlling things while waiting to leave the Raptors. Like, yeah. Oh God. The Lakers summer 2019 conspiracies were like, <laughs> like rivaled info wars. Honestly. Right. <laughs> like the, the real shadow executive is the friends we made along the way. I think we that's can what I've always on that. said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the total package the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis included two former number two overall picks and Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four pick in the 2019 NBA draft, two future first round picks, including a right to defer one of the picks, I believe in 2023, uh, and then a pick swap in 2021. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Even in hindsight, it's a lot. Um, and I think people mistook, and I say this personally because when that, when when the Lakers re-entered negotiations with the Pelicans, I think the general consensus among Lakers fans was the Lakers have all of the leverage in these talks because the Celtics aren't serious. They're not going to include Jason Tatum. Uh, the Knicks, I think it had leaked that they weren't willing to include Mitchell Robinson in the deal. I think the Knicks knew that they couldn't get it done. And so they were like, yeah, Frank Nilakina, untouchable. And I think it, it came out a few months later that um, – they didn't trade for AD because it, it didn't align with their plans that they have long-term, which, I mean, if AD doesn't fit into your long-term plans, I don't know what you're doing as an organization. But um, even in hindsight, I look at the package as a whole, and I say that's a lot to give up for Anthony Davis. Like, objectively speaking, just the number of things they had to give up, and that's not even including, that's not even including uh, the fact that they traded – Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, and Jamario Jones to make room for that that third, or I guess that max slot. I should say um, it, yeah, was it was a lot. Third max slot. It was yeah. it was to have room to sign Kawhi Leonard, and then they obviously ended up not doing that. But they mm. got Danny Green, they got Avery Bradley, like right. they got a bunch of guys with that space. But just looking at the number of players they sent out, the number of assets they sent out, it was a lot. My question to you now a year later, is was it too much? No, I, I honestly still feel the same way that I did at the time of the trade. Like, now, now again, like, this is kind of like the dumb thing that we always do where we grade the trade, like, the day that it's made or we grade the draft the day that it's made. Like, ultimately, we don't know. Like, unexpected stuff always happens. If you go back and you read 
Pau Gasol, like, trade grades or whatever. Like, the Grizzlies probably got Fs across the board for what they got for Gasol, and Mark Gasol ended up being really good. And, like, that's that's just one example of, like, they, you know, the Grizzlies probably couldn't have expected it to work out that well, but sometimes these things just go haywire in a way that you don't expect. So I, I just want to get that caveat out of the way. This obviously, like, like, let's say that Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball end up becoming, like, undisputed superstars, like, super-duper stars. Right. This trade could look bad in hindsight. Like, if AD, like, leaves for the Bulls or even if the Lakers don't win a title. Like, there's a chance this trade looks bad. I think that as things stand now, it's still hard for me to not say that the Lakers won this deal. Like, you just look at the year on the court that they've had since the Anthony Davis trade. Like, they, you know, like, despite the crazy summer and, like, the China trip and, like, you know, the season stopping and everything crazy that's, like, went on, like, that's outside of their control, you know, there was still, you know, when they've, when they've been on the court, they've done everything that could have reasonably been expected of them and more. The team has fit incredibly well together. The chemistry has been incredible. LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think, are a better pairing than even – the biggest optimists could have predicted. Like, I remember thinking they would be really good. I did not think that they would be shoe-in number one seed automatically in the West good. Like, I thought they would be a title contender for sure. I honestly thought that, you know, it wouldn't be until the next summer or next, I guess, off-season, whenever that ends up happening. But um, the next off-season, when they would get really, really good and start to be, like, a title favorite, the after they miss out on Kawhi, like, I thought that, that point would come the following summer when they were, had been over the cap for a while and they could offer the full mid-level exception the next summer, really start to, like, lock in, get some role players. They'd have everybody on expiring deals, could make some trades. Like, I thought next season was going to be the season. But instead – you know, as we've seen, they're the number one seed in the West. They're not that far off on having the best record in the NBA. They're, like, I think pretty much the universal Vegas favorite to win the title. Like, I, you know, this trade, like, like to imply that the Lakers didn't, at, at the very least, get a win-win is kind of asinine at this point. Like, I know Brandon Ingram's an all-star. I know Lonzo Ball has had a good year. I know those draft picks are coming down the pipeline at some point. Like, I still just don't think that you can, like, be intellectually honest and say that this was not a good trade for the Lakers and one that I think almost every team would have made. Yeah, I think I, – I like Brandon Ingram a lot. I think he'll be an all-star for, like, many years to come especially if for some reason he ends up in the Eastern Conference um, in the offseason by signing with the Hawks or something. I don't know. But um, but even if he's, like, really, really good, a super-duper star, I think the type of player he projects to be is still not better than what Anthony Davis is to this team right now, which, yeah. is, what, which is what the Lakers made the trade for, is to win right now. And to your point, you know – Call me a pessimist if you'd like, but last season I had no expectation of them being the number one seed in the Western Conference. It was a LeBron James team, which is always drama-filled. Uh, he didn't get the head coach he wanted from the summer. It was a brand-new roster of guys that you know mostly hadn't played together. And you just look back at the Cavaliers and the Heat and how long it took them to, to get cooking. I just thought, this is a – a four five seed but they're going to be really good like it doesn't matter wh where where they enter the postseason in they're going to run through whatever teams they see because by the end of the season they'll likely have gotten things together that didn't happen they clicked right away and i think i checked the other day they've been the number one seed in the western conference since the third game of the season 
which is nuts. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was that soon. Yeah. Like, that was still back. Remember, we were all still freaking out over whether or not they had, like, a backup point guard and right. whether or not KCP was the worst signing in NBA history. Like, And, again, I think those are all legitimate concerns because you just didn't know. It really was a yeah. brand-new team. Um, and so and the fact that Kyle Kuzma wasn't healthy to start the season, I think everybody was – kind of just banking on that and seeing what the potential would be. But, you know, again, as, as time told us, players we thought were going to be important aren't as important. Uh, KCP is like the Lakers' second best shooter on the team. It really just has been a whirlwind. And I can say, uh, and I don't know if that anybody can say otherwise honestly, that the Lakers have just completely blown my expectations out of the water. Um, yeah, they- and they've done it without, you know, you mentioned Kuz, like they've done it without him kind of with him mostly being a non-factor. Like, I don't know if that's too harsh, but he's at the very least, like he's been a replacement level player at best, you know? And I think like, like it would be hard to even argue that like they would be market like markedly worse with Jared Dudley or someone playing those right. games, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like for them to do all of that without the prize young guy, like having a really great year, like he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't had the year that they were probably hoping for and certainly not that he was hoping for when he was billing himself as the third star over the summer uh and like yes that's a real thing that he said that he would be like this is not me projecting that onto him I try not to do that like he literally said this um like I I think that the more interesting question is not did they give up too much because I think at this point the the answer is clearly no you know we have to see what those picks turn into before we can really say that with all certainty like if the bottom falls out and those end up being lottery picks then yeah like maybe Um, But for right now, I think the answer to that is no. The more interesting question to me is, did they give up more than they had to? And I think that's one of those things where I think all of us at the time, you mentioned the leverage. Like, we all, I think, thought that they had a lot more leverage than they ended up utilizing. And I, I still maintain that to some degree that's true. I just think that, like, you know, the more that we've thought about it since then, I do think that David Griffin probably had the job security to just say like, okay, we'll just go into the season with Anthony Davis and like play that game of chicken a lot more so than Rob Palinka did when it was pretty clear that like he needed to do something to make sure that LeBron James was happy, that he was locked in and that everybody was coming to training camp. Okay. Let's play for a contender. Not okay. Let's go through trade rumors a whole lot. Like again, I, so my thing with that was, I know this is something our friend uh, Anthony Irwin brings up a lot is who they gave up in the trade. Like if they were to swap out Kuz for somebody else in that deal, would it have still gotten done? The real argument there for me is Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, because anything else other than that argument, I think you're just, it's not realistic. The Lakers were clearly angling for having that third max slot. And it just was not possible unless you included Lonzo and Ingram. So um, if the Lakers didn't have those goals in mind, do I think they would have bargained a little harder to keep Lonzo, for example? Probably. Would Would the Pelicans have accepted that deal? Maybe if there were a few extra picks in there or, you know, if they included, um, you know, I don't, not not that I believe that Mo, Bonga, and Jamario equal Lonzo's value, but uh, in terms of quantity or 
know, how much Griffin valued them. Um, I think that's the conversation to be had. But yeah, I I wish they wouldn't have given up so much. Like we had a question from from one of the people that sent in questions to us, which of the young guys we would have liked to keep. I would have liked to see Lonzo with this team. I think you look at the point guard position on this team. Um, I think Avery Bradley has been very good, better than I thought he'd be at least. And I, I just think Lonzo would have been better. And he's the guy I would have liked to see with this team. So yeah, would I have liked to see it? Could I see a world where they could have done it? Yes. But given all, like if you put everything within context, they the way they did it, at the time they did it was the only way they could have done it. And I think that's what it boils down to, to me. Yeah. I think that that's probably the fairest way to look at it. And I also think that like, like I agree with you, it would have been awesome to see Lonzo on this team, especially with the need that they've had for another playmaker and like another a ball mover and like that kind of guy, he would have been awesome to watch with LeBron and AD in my opinion, and especially with his like defensive ability. But it's like you said, like, I think that they had like anything else is almost like, you know, like hindsight is 2020 because they really wanted Kawhi. They thought that they had a chance at Kawhi. I think that you have to go and really try and get that deal done. If you think that you have a shot at it, like you're being irresponsible if you don't and it didn't work out, but like, look, that's a, that's a chance that I think that you have to take if you're going to try and assemble like the, the best big three in NBA history. And, you know, again, it's hard to argue with the way that everything worked out. Like, I don't want to be that guy that's like, look at the Lakers record and like, it was a good trade because I think that that's oversimplifying a little bit. But yeah. at the same time, they're, they're a title contender. Maybe a couple moves could have been different here or there, but like, it's all worked out. And so it's hard to credit. Like, the, ultimately, if they don't win the title, like, there's going to be room for second guessing and whatever. But like, for the most part, I think that where we stand now, I don't really think that there's a whole lot. And, and the goal, like the goal is to win and they've done that. And I think that like, regardless of what you think of their process or if it's the most repeatable process or whatever, like it got it done. And I think that that like, you know, there's just a lot to be said for that. Another question we got um, in relation to that was you, you mentioned the picks that were involved in that, in that deal is it, can you name the picks that are involved in that deal? Because I cannot. That's <laughs> no, it. No, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail that question. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, before, before we head to break, do you think at the current trajectory that the Lakers are playing at, are those picks anything of consequence right now, given the way they're playing? No, I mean, I don't think so. I like, I, I think that a lot will depend on what they do. You know, A, how long does LeBron last at somewhere close to this level? B, how long does he stay? And C, like, if he does leave, who do they replace him with alongside yeah. Anthony Davis? If they replace him alongside Giannis, as they're pretty clearly like aiming themselves to do, yeah. then obviously, I think those picks are really going to suck. But um, <laughs> if they don't, manage to do that or they don't manage to get like a similarly talent maybe not similarly talented to Giannis but if they don't manage to get some sort of star player as that other guy in with AD then you know that conversation about did they give up too many picks becomes a little bit more interesting but I, I that's that's so far off and like I think that sometimes we as a blog boy community get too obsessed with thinking like we're GMs and yeah. like, we should just be like, everybody asks these questions and look, look like this isn't to like crap on the question. Like I, I appreciate the question. I appreciate that people want to know what we're talking about, but like, 
I know basketball is not here right now, but enjoy this time. Like, enjoy this team and, like, spend a little less time, I would say, thinking about what, like, what is going to come in the future or what the roster is going to look like in the future. Because the whole reason that you do a trade like this is to enjoy the now. It's not to think about, are they going to be okay in, like, two years? This is the ultimate like we, I feel like we do this as humans a lot where we, you know, especially when we procrastinate on like our daily article count or whatever, we're like, Oh, like the future version of me will deal with that. And, uh, and then like, you know, when that future gets there, then yeah, that future version of you has to get a deal with that. But in the meantime, you know, you enjoyed playing animal crossing or whatever game you're currently yeah. playing. Right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've taken a break from animal crossing. I revisiting Grand Theft Auto five right now. I'm actually, Oh wow. That is quite the dichotomy between you're yeah. just like, I need to go back to some violence actually. Yeah. My girlfriend's, uh, been really, really enjoying Grand Theft Auto five. It's her first Grand Theft Auto she's ever played. So you can imagine, uh, her excitement. Uh, but on a different note, we're going to head to break. And <laughs> when we get back, we'll answer uh, some more of your questions. I'm not sure that we're ever going to have a better Lakers explained quote than it's her first grand thought at theft auto. So I'm sure you can imagine her excitement said in complete monotone that sounded like you had been grounded from playing grand <laughs> theft auto by your girlfriend. Um, so yeah, uh, Sarah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, sorry. Everything we've talked about so far, we've talked about with the help of hindsight, which is great. Even if it's just a year, I think hindsight is a big help, um, whether you're making an argument for or against the trade. Uh, now I want to look ahead a little bit to the future, which in regards to the league and really just everything right now is so uncertain. Uh, not to get super bleak there, but it is uh, a weird time we're living in right now. But to keep it on the basketball court, right now, if you, if you had to guess if Anthony Davis is going to re-sign with the Lakers, what would your answer be? I, I would be shocked if he didn't. Like, like you know, I, I obviously, like, I'm not going to go out there and say, like, Anthony Davis, sources, will re-sign with the Lakers. Oh, no. Actually, I really hope at this point that nobody just takes that clip out of content. Although it would be hilarious if somebody aggregated me and yeah. they only saw just that one clip from Twitter. So if somebody does that, I won't even be that mad, to be honest. But What would um, be even funnier is that somebody would have to listen to our podcast to the whole get podcast to, that to try and get yeah. to that point. <sighs> Imagine if they made a clutch points graphic and it was just like <laughs> me in the Lakers fedora like with a crystal ball and inside of it was Anthony Davis holding up a new contract. Oh my God, please. Now I want this to happen, to be honest. So if one of you wants to prank like some of the <laughs> aggregators, that's fine with me. And just like isolate that one clip. But anyway, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's all I'm thinking about. I don't know. Um, I think that a lot of the gra graphic work they do is overseas, but I'd like to commission somebody to make that because I think that would be I want I want clutch points to make my wedding invitation. <laughs> uh how, how's that going, by the way? How's, how's wedding planning? You know, Christian, I'm going to say planning a second wedding during a pandemic is uh, not my second wedding ever. Yeah, just like planning, I was going to say, please add context to that. <laughs> planning a new wedding plan instead of the original wedding plan during a pandemic is, uh, you know, it's not fun. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not, uh, it's not the most enjoyable process. 
you just got got on your own podcast outed yeah. yourself for being married a second time mia yeah. i am so sorry <laughs> these these damn bloggers and aggregators um <laughs> I, I as far as the anthony davis thing goes like i th- i think he's going to resign i think that all indications are pointing towards him resigning i would be shocked if it doesn't happen like i honestly think that it's more likely that he like like i think the more likely surprise is him opting in rather than signing somewhere else like because at this point the nba's re- revenue is really going to take a hit this year and if the cap drops and there's not that much cap space out there and all that stuff like you know, and, you know, that affects, like, contract values and whatever, like, maybe he opts into that final year and does free agency the next year when hopefully the league has recouped some revenue and, like, the cap goes a little bit higher again and he's able to get, like, you know, that 30, I think he's at 30%, 35%? No, it's 30. He's yeah. at 30. So if he's at the, that 30% is worth more, you know, if the league's revenue bounces back up than it would be if the league's revenue goes way down. And, you know, if they don't put in artificial smoothing mechanisms into that that the union didn't want to do that last time who knows if they will this time like there's so much about this that we don't know but based on what we do know and what we can kind of project based on the rules as they are now like it would not surprise me to see him opt in just because you know his option is maybe going to be worth more than what the opting out originally would have been and also that locks you in at five years under this current cap rate versus like maybe next year the five-year cap rate goes up, like the five-year max goes up in value because cap went back up. And so, like, I I think there is a decent chance that he opts in, actually. Yeah, I think that's the case, too. And that was actually going to be my next question for you is how long you think he'd re-sign for. Um, I'm also of the mindset that he opts in. The only reason I don't think he'd opt in and he'd opt to sign, like, a one plus one deal or maybe even a two plus one deal the two plus one deal would make more sense i don't know what i'm saying is that financial security because anthony davis hasn't exactly had an like serious injury plagued career but he's picked up like little ticky tack enough injuries. little ones that you yeah. worry about like is a big one eventually coming right right yeah and i think him and rich paul will have that discussion um because, I mean, look, Anthony Davis especially saw one of his closest friends in DeMarcus Cousins lose out yeah. on millions and millions of dollars. That's actually a good – that's a really good point, actually. Because of a career-ending injury. And I think, you know, he could wait it out like a lot of clutch clients have, uh, signing those one-plus-one deals. But I, I think he'll strongly consider signing a two-year deal and then um, – you know, revisiting that 35% max when he's eligible. Hopefully not to the Bulls or any team like that. But you know what? If he hits free agency at that point, hopefully he'll have won at least one championship then. Yeah, I mean, the other, the other like, thing to factor in here, too, is, like, you know, DeMarcus isn't even the only guy that could talk about, you know, like, uh, walking away from money. Like, you know, KCP can speak to that. He had that $80 million, I believe, right. extension on the table and didn't take it. You know, whether that was him or his agency, like, who knows? You know, I don't, I don't know who's driving force of that decision. But, um, like, he didn't take it, and now he's, you know, like, I think he's recouped a decent amount of that money from the Lakers, but certainly not all of it. 
and like not as seamlessly he's had to go through free agency every single year and like you know like not that he's ever been a late Laker signing but that's still I'm sure a stressful process like and you're risking injury every single year and you're having to play you're having to play for your next contract every single year and you know Anthony Davis is obviously like a much better player than KCP we're talking about totally different numbers and values and whatever here but that's somebody else that could I think speak to that and the other thing is too like if he's gotten comfortable in Los Angeles like look like this is a dark way to look at things but this pandemic situation isn't ending anytime soon right and like I I can't imagine like there are a lot worse places to quarantine than your mansion in California you know what I mean like and so if they're going to be playing the season and you know, I'm sure the next season probably isn't going to be at Disney World again. Like, they're yeah. going to have to figure out some kind of travel plan where they're going around and, you know, going to different teams and but probably still isolating at home mostly. Like, you know, I think there are worse places than L.A. to continue to kind of make your home. And I think, like, you know, like, he's also – there's purely the on-court reason. Like, what team is going to sign him and prevent a, present a more compelling basketball argument? which is always what we hear about with AD. Like, you know, I, I think there were like rumors that the Mavericks might make a run at him last summer or something like that. Like I kind of dissipated, or maybe that was just speculation from their fans. Like we always hear about Chicago because it's his hometown, but Chicago sucks. And like, yeah. I can't really imagine wanting to play there um, at this point, you know, maybe in a couple of years, they figure some things out and he looks at that or something. But for right now, the Lakers have just, I think the most compelling case in almost every single way. It's a unique thing in that he's clearly the biggest star on the market this summer and like a huge name. And he would be the kind of guy that would be getting a bunch of jersey swaps all the time and whatever. But this, you know, Lakers thing has gone better than I think anybody could have expected. And there's just realistically no one where it's like, oh, like you can go team up with the Warriors or something like that. Like there's no other option where you can even talk yourself into it being a better basketball fit. If you went somewhere else, it would be solely for other reasons. Yeah, I. it's kind of incredible, the lack of noise. And this could just be a result of the people I follow on Twitter. But I think my horizons are pretty broad. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of noise around where Anthony Davis is going this offseason. And I think it's because the foregone conclusion is that he's he's probably going to stay. Yeah. And like, I think, you know, like, I think people think that for good reason. Like, I think there was a lot of noise that he basically, it was like a wink, wink, he was gonna stay like even coming into the trade type of thing. And, you know, like he's playing with LeBron, who's like one of his best friends and mentors. And he's in Los Angeles for a team that his agency basically has a hand in running, like, you know, with how many clients they have on the roster, like, you know, and, and they're winning. They're really good. Like, I just don't think that they're, like, but it's weird. He's like the biggest superstar free agent that we haven't seen 700 Jersey photoshops of every single day and dealt with incessant questions. And that's like all in spite of his own, like kind of making it a storyline at times on accident, right. like with the whole like thing in Chicago, like I could see myself playing for the Bulls one day or whatever he said and, you know, or never rule anything out or whatever. Like yeah, he, yeah. there have been a couple of times he stuck his foot in his mouth and it still hasn't been that big of a story just because nobody can eat. Like the scenarios are so laughable. Yeah. I, I do not see him going anywhere. Um, let's hope he doesn't. Last question I have for you before we head out here. Um, it's one I've asked to Jacob. I don't know if I've ever asked it to you. Forgive me if I have, but, um, LeBron James is 35 years old. Uh, and, in as soon as next year, assuming Anthony Davis contract is longer than LeBron James, 
Uh, LeBron can opt out next year. Anthony Davis could be the only star player the Lakers have on the roster going forward. Can the Lakers continue to be a contender with Anthony Davis as the best player on the roster? This is a cop-out, but it depends on how good the second best player is. Exactly. And that yeah. was my answer with Jacob, too. I think you can have like a The second really... best player would have to be really, really good, though. Yeah. That my, my general answer to that question is the second best player could be a little worse than Anthony Davis, but not by much. Like, they'd have to be as good, which is saying a lot, because I think, personally, I think Anthony Davis is like a top five player in the league just because of his two-way value. But, like, if, for example, if Anthony Davis recruited Drew Holiday in 2021 and LeBron left, I don't know if that team is a championship contending team. Christian, I think we've seen that that yeah, team is not a right. championship contending team. Right. <laughs> but what I'm, well, you get what I'm saying. Like, it would have yeah, to be. I, it's got to be like a, like a, I, I know this is not a name Lakers fans want to hear at all, but like Paul George, like right. that level of player. Like, it has to be that, like, they're clearly a second banana, but they're also like clearly a top tier all star as well. Like, a shoe in, like, all star type candidate guy. Yeah. Um, like, you know, like an interesting one. I forget exactly when his contract ends, so forgive me, but like, Russell Westbrook is an LA guy. There's always been like noise about him and how much he loves the LA area. You know, like, I know that he, uh, like, was donating a bunch of stuff during the pandemic to like his, like, neighborhood where he grew up and like I know that he's still very much connected to the Los Angeles community this is like like it it was crazy because this he did his signature shoe launch here in LA which is like unheard of for someone who plays in like a different market or like at least like I hadn't seen anything like that and like he's still clearly very connected to this community still I think has something in the tank as we've seen in Houston you know with him adjusting his shot selection like like that like if if it's like this version of russell westbrook like i think that could be a contender potentially to like if you have some strong role players around them obviously you need some shooting with those two out there but you know i think that you can figure that out and i think that's the that that's my answer to you and i think the what it ultimately boils down to with me and i think any nba team um i think as you found out just watching the last dance documentary is if you have a collection of talent or t- pl- players that are willing to come back and play for your basketball team that are as talented as like an Anthony Davis or you know Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, you just have to do it or you're you're gonna kick yourself for God knows how long. Uh, and I think the Lakers know that, given where they've been the past seven years now. Uh, and I I don't think they'll hesitate to offer Anthony Davis whatever money he wants to he wants in free agency. And the Lakers, like, the Lakers have to do that to make this trade worth it because you still have those future picks going out. Like, whatever it is, whether it's re-signing Terminator LeBron to continue, like, never leaving his prime for the next five years or whatever, and you sign and trade for Bronny on draft day or, you know, whatever it may be. Like, you know, the Lakers have to figure out something to keep this rolling with Anthony Davis and around him, whether it's, you know, Giannis with him as the second banana still under LeBron, whether it's bringing in, like, a really high-tier, like, co-star for him, Whatever it is, like, they have to keep this going. Otherwise, you do start to ask questions about was that trade worth it? Like, if their picks really start rising in value, and I think that you still say yes, especially if they win a title. Like, if they win a title, no question it was worth it. Like, yeah. at, like if you win a title, basically nothing you can do, have done to get to that point is too much because you still won it in the end. Yeah. But, like, if they don't win a title, then they really do at least need to stay contenders during AD, like, the rest of AD's prime or however much longer they have him. 
for that trade to really feel. It. And I wrote an article a few months ago. It actually might have just been last month. What is time? Really? Timely plug. Yeah. <laughs> but last month I wrote an article on what if the Lakers kept all of the players from their young core. And in doing that exercise, I realized, again, there's still so many years of development that those those players have. But the ceiling of whatever the Lakers gave up, even prior to LeBron getting there, the ceiling of that team and sticking with that rebuild just wasn't very high realistically. And I think the heights the Lakers have reached now as quickly as they've reached them, I don't know if they would have ever reached them with the core they gave up or, um, you know, whether it was to make room for LeBron or to trade for AD, I just don't think it would have happened. Um, again, there, they have a lot of years to prove me wrong, but Anthony Davis is a really good basketball player and literally the perfect compliment to LeBron James. And for that reason, I think, um, they had to do it. And now the only question is, you know, how worth it was it? And that's why you trade the mystery box for the star, you know, like as long as you're not like, as long as like the star doesn't have major, I'm trying to think of a way to like not jinx this, but like have like major injury questions facing them or, you know, have like a potential free agency coming up in a year or whatever it may be. I mean, you know, Anthony Davis had to some degree both of those, but uh, given like his history of knickknacks and whatever, but like, I think this is a trade, like until it goes wrong, that it's hard to say that it went wrong. Absolutely. Harrison, do you have any parting thoughts before we go? I, I do. I actually, I, I have a question for you since you've mostly asked questions for me during, uh, during this whole podcast. What gives you the right? <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. I'm, I, I actually have a question. Um, it, it's, was, I think that we have to ask ourselves the question, like, was the Anthony Davis trade paperwork signed on some sort of sacred burial ground? Because... Like, this is one of the greatest basketball trades that this team has made in a long time. And all of a sudden, the last calendar year has just been a tire fire of awfulness. And I'm not, like, I'm not going to say that we should blame Anthony Davis for that. But, like, you know, you had the Lakers basically getting kidnapped in China uh, through no fault of their own. You have a global pandemic. And then, like, potentially, like, this season getting thrown into jeopardy again, I think for, like, very justified reasons. But, like, this is, like, just from strictly how this has been for the Lakers and what they want, whatever, like, it's gone great on the basketball court and terrible literally everywhere else. I think when LeBron made his deal with whoever to be immortal, like, from a basketball standpoint, they told them there will be one year where just nothing goes right. It's just not, it's not going to be anybody's year, but every year except that year will go right for you. And I think LeBron last season was just like, all right, well, that was it. I missed the postseason. Um, things little did great. he know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he was wiping his hands clean. And he's like, all right, Time to get AD. It happened. Uh, but no, I think this is it. So, um, you know, once that's over, the debts are paid. Season will start in December. Maybe they'll start the season on like a five-game losing streak. Uh, but aside from that, 2021 promises to be just another LeBron James year. It all, it, honestly, it almost can't be worse like, yeah. <laughs> than like this year has been just from like a world perspective. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I actually, I do think like in all seriousness, we would be remiss if we wrapped up this podcast. I know we've went long already, but like, and that Anthony and Jazz talked about this a little bit yesterday, but we should, I think, address like the report that came out today about Avery Bradley kind of being like a ringleader of this like uh, resistance coalition with Kyrie Irving about potential, just asking a lot of questions about is restarting the season a good idea right now? Uh, ESPN had a report on that with the statement from some of the players about their goals and what they're kind of looking for out of this movement and like I I do think that we should just address this real quick just like the two of us and like this whole movement especially because we haven't been on since like every all of this started Mm -hmm. but like I just kind of like I I know that a lot of people are upset at Avery Bradley I know that a lot of people are upset at Dwight Howard I know that people are upset with LeBron James for different reasons like a different side of the equation is upset at him for wanting to play I know people are mad at Avery Bradley for asking questions they're mad at Dwight for asking questions and considering sitting out we don't I don't think that we have confirmation that like Avery Bradley went quite that far but we do have confirmation that he's helping kind of lead this movement to question this plan and see if it's really worth it and like I just think like this is such a complicated issue that like basically this is one of the rare things where like I usually hate it when people are like oh you didn't play in the NBA you can't understand this because I think it's a cop-out criticism normally but I think in this specific case this is something that unless you are an NBA player who is actually being faced with this decisions and actually understands all the behind the scenes and how it's going to affect you, how playing you feel like will affect like the social justice movement for like something that has affected you your whole life, like in systemic racism and police brutality and um, like, you know, all of that stuff. Like, I I just think that this is not a time where we can judge players for their choices, even if we disagree with them. Like, I think that whatever you think, whatever you think that, like, whether you think that they can use this platform really effectively, so of course they should play, and that sitting out would only do more damage to, like, long-term to their financial ability to contribute to the cause and all of that thing, or whether you think, like, people don't deserve the distraction right now and they shouldn't get it, and that will just take, you know, kind of the momentum away, some of this momentum away from the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I just think that, like, regardless of where you stand on that issue, like, this is not something where like this is not a trade this is not a guy giving up threes this is not a guy opting into his contract or playing in the city that you want like this is serious and there's like long-term cultural implications to this there's like far-reaching backwards like cultural implications to this and like for these players personal history like this is just not the kind of thing where I feel comfortable giving a take on it and I just like I just basically wanted to like talk to the listeners and just say like I know you like most of you probably really want the Lakers back. I, for my own, like, you know, job security for the sake of my industry, for, um, like, you know, the sake of just my enjoyment of basketball and mental health, I would love it if the Lakers were back. But this is not the kind of thing where we can just, I think, rant at players and judge them for the choices they're making when they all feel like whatever side they're on, that they're doing the best thing for a movement. And everybody wants the same. This is one of those things where I think everybody wants the same thing, but people have different like perspectives on how to best get that. And I think that right now we have to listen to all of those. Yeah. I think it's, whether it's about basketball or, you know, racial inequality in the United States, I think right now really is just a time for listening and support. And I think that is the steps. Those are the steps the NBA has to take within the coming weeks um, with this coalition I mean, you can argue that 
the players association already exists. That's, you know, kind of their job, but I think the players association exists with the assumption that, you know, they want to be able to return to work fairly and get compensated fairly. Um, from what it sounds like this coalition is saying like, okay, that's nice. Well, some of us just don't want to, we don't think it's worth it. Uh, which is a totally fair and balanced take to have. Yeah. Uh, and that's really the only take I have on it. Now, will there be basketball implications from some of the decisions that are made? Absolutely. And when, yeah. the to- when the time comes, whether it's the Lakers having two open roster spots because Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley didn't play or Anthony Davis's contract having to be renegotiated or negotiated uh, because of how much money the NBA loses because of, you know, the season being canceled. So there will be basketball implications. And if, and when that happens, there'll be plenty of time to talk about basketball right now. It really is just about, um, listening and and getting as much information as we can so that the players that are going to Orlando and, you know, whether you believe so or not really are putting their lives and the lives of others, um, you know, at risk by playing. It is a big decision. Uh, They're having to leave their families. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into this that like you and I just like can't understand, especially me. Like I I feel like it's important for me to say this part because right now there isn't a whole lot that it's important for a privileged privileged white guy to say. Like right now, like someone like me, like, you know, I'm like, like I'm a cisgender, like white guy that grew up in like, you know, like pretty like pretty fortunate in Southern California. Like this is not something where my perspective is all that important. Like, and I think that if you are like me and you're of privilege, like I think this is the time for us to listen and for us to amplify other voices and other perspectives of people that understand these issues better and that can understand these problems better. And also like, it's certainly not the time for us to yell at Dwight Howard that like, oh, like this is why you don't deserve a second chance with the Lakers. I always yeah. knew this would happen. The, the, like all the stuff that I've been seeing in my mentions all weekend about him and Avery Bradley and whatever and even to the flip side like people criticizing LeBron for wanting to play and saying oh like he's not a real there's more evidence he's not a real activist all this stuff like these guys all again like they all want the same thing I think almost all of us want the same thing in terms of like racial equality and like the end of systemic racism and like you know just like you know policies that are in place that make it clear that black lives do matter like we all want that but right now is not the time for I think us to talk people like me to talk it's the time for us to listen and to like hear these perspectives from these players and not necessarily judge them for how they feel about this specific stuff well said sir and on that note I think we can end our podcast for the week I'll be back on Friday with Jacob uh, for an episode of can you dig it Harrison I will talk to you again next week and you'll hear from us next week. Um, So we'll see you.